One of the most fundamental questions that each of us has to answer as we grow and become self-aware and figure out our place in life is the question of who am I? Now, one of my favorite movies from adolescence is a movie called Zoolander, which is about being really, really ridiculously good-looking. More succinctly, it's about a male fashion model. Now, it's a comedy, and it stars Owen Wilson and Ben Stiller, but at the beginning of the movie, the main character, Derek Zoolander, his life is crumbling around him because there is a new male model who has come onto the scene and is stealing all of his glory. So very early on in the film, Derek finds himself looking into a dirty puddle of water in the gutter and asking himself, who am I? His reflection answers back, I don't know, stupid. <laughs> now, as an adolescent, I thought this was a funny concept. But as I have grown, it seems that this universal question we ask ourselves, and the answer greatly dictates our life's trajectory. Because who I am determines what I do. What I do every day, what I do for a job, what I do for my downtime, what I do for leisure. Now normally when you hear a homily about identity, the answer is coming that we should boldly proclaim that we are Christians above everything else. And that's where we find our deepest and most identifying characteristics. That's well and good. But for most of us, the choice to be a Catholic was chosen when we were babies, and it becomes a secondary characteristic that we use to describe ourselves that is roughly as important as what kind of car we drive, meaning that it doesn't usually come up in the first couple of conversations we may have with people. Now in Zoolander, the question of who I am leads to a comical journey of self-discovery and the revelation that maybe there is more to life than just being really, really ridiculously good-looking. And in the Gospel today, the question of identity leads the disciples to a revelation about someone's identity as well. Today's Gospel reading is taken early from the Gospel of Matthew. It's only a couple chapters in, so the disciples are still trying to figure out who is Jesus exactly. At this point, many of them want Jesus to be something that he is not, but he is revealing to them who he is. In the first chapter of Mark, we get a little bit about John the Baptist. Jesus get gets baptized, and then he goes into the desert for 40 days to be tempted. Upon his return, he really comes out of the gate strong, and Mark starts recording the miracles of Jesus. So in chapter 2, we have the disciples who are called to follow him. And the first recorded Markan miracle is the casting out of a demon. After that, he heals Simon Peter's mother-in-law of a fever. He goes on to heal many, many people, challenges the authority of the Sabbath, pisses off the Jewish religious leaders, gets accused of being sent by the devil by those same religious leaders, and starts to really teach by parables. So at this point in the Gospel of Mark, out of all of the things that he has done, the only thing that is very rabbi-like is teaching the disciples by parables. So yes, they have seen him do many things, but to say exactly who he is is still quite a mystery because no one has ever been quite so miraculous. So the question for the disciples is who is Jesus? Now let me illuminate for you what the church wants you to see in the readings this weekend about who Jesus is. 
The first reading, to be honest, is a little awkward. It's like if you ever went over to a friend's house and they were in the middle of being yelled at by their parents. So you just stood there awkwardly until they finished. This conversation between God and Job, well, it's really not a conversation. It's more of a heavenly diatribe. We get chapter 38 in the first reading, verse 1. And then in our reading, it skips to verse 8. Well, in the between times, a lot happens. We hear that God is telling Job, listen up, you've been complaining for a while. And I love this because in verse 4, he literally tells Job to man up. He says, man up and answer my questions, since you have been questioning me so much. Answer these questions to me, Job. Who was it that made the world? Were you there? Who was it that closed in the borders of the sea, who speaks out of the storms and controls the waters of the world so that they do not go past their limits? Who stills the waves whenever he wants? This is what we heard in the reading so wonderfully proclaimed. See, the beauty about being a priest is that I get to meditate on the scriptures every day for a week until I actually come up here. It might be that the first time you're hearing it is when it's proclaimed. So you only get so much. It's like drinking from a fire hose. But it's beautiful because we get to see the reaction, I'm sorry, the relationship between Job and God and how it's very parental. God is telling Job, listen up, you've been messing up, I'm going to set you straight. But God is telling Job in this section of the Bible that we call wisdom literature that God is the only one that has the power over the elements. Man does not. Now to the psalm we go. And as someone recently told me, Father, no one preaches on the psalm. Well, this is awkward because I sure do. It's the word of God. Why wouldn't I preach on it? But anyway, we hear in Psalm 107 about those people who, again, without context, you don't know who they are, but in the context of the psalm, those people who are running away from God. And they're going to the ends of the earth. They're sailing on ships. And yet God is following them. We hear about these people who experience the power of God in nature. It tells how the Lord caused a huge storm to come up after them. And in their distress, when they called upon the Lord, he then calmed the storm. Again, the God of the entire created world has the power over the elements. And this is how we can know that he is the Lord, is that he controls the elements. Now, to the gospel. We are not being told who Jesus is, but we, like the disciples, are being shown in context, in congruence with the Old Testament scriptures. We are seeing the works of the Lord, that he, the Lord, the divine, the one sent from heaven, that he is in control of the elements. Jesus isn't worried. He isn't bothered. And for, quite frankly, he seems a little more annoyed that the disciples of little faith have woke him from his nap. But he takes this time to again show them that he is not just another rabbi. He is not just a good religious moral interpreter of humanity. He is in fact the divine come down, taken on human flesh, to be among us, to redeem us, and to lead us back to the Father. Simply put, he is God. 
The words that he uses to rebuke and quiet the storm are the same words that he uses to quiet the demons that he casts out of people earlier in the Mark and Gospel. Jesus has power over the wind and the waves. And this shows that his power extends beyond what is imaginable into the mysterious, the magical, and the mystical. He controls all the elements, and he controls their safety. And the last words of the gospel today show that the disciples still don't get it. Who is Jesus? The world asks this question all the time. And the answer, for those of us who have followed the Lord for some time, should change over time. When I said earlier that most homilies that talk about identity usually end in the priest or deacon telling us that we should first say that we are Christians or disciples of Jesus or believers, again, that's not wrong. But I think that it puts too much focus on us. The question we should ask ourselves And I'm very serious about this. Take some time during this week and sit down in the quiet and ask yourself this question. Who is Jesus? Because what we answer determines how we live our lives. If Jesus is just a Mr. Rogers nice guy, well then that means that we can basically do whatever we want in life. But if Jesus is the God of the universe that the readings are all trying to show him to be today, then that demands a response from us and demands that we comport ourselves to live in a certain manner, a manner congruent with the Catholic faith. The disciples saw Jesus do miracles and still asked the question, who is this? Because of that, he questions their faith. If we never take the time to ask the question, who is Jesus, and come up with an answer, can we say that we actually believe in anything? 